Forget the conspiracy theory about Taylor Swift, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the President of the United States. We prove this week East Coast bias on sixth-year seniors. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I'm tired of losing to Purdue! I'm not here to round this week! That's why I got a college skip! That's why I was an All-American in Michigan! It's Division One football. It's the Big Twelve. I've got so many ways to make love a million ways. I'm barely making it up. Go play in a mural, brother. I could give a shit about North Carolina you know how I'm doing. I, I, I just got off, uh, you know, trying to sort out cross-country travel. You're out here floating conspiracy theories. No, it's not a conspiracy theory, man. It's fact. It's absolute let's get, fact. Let's get the, t- let's get the tin foil hats on and let's go. I, I mean, I'm, look, I'm pissed off. You're pissed off. Let's do it, man. I don't give a shit. Let's go. I, f- forget the format sheet. Let's throw it out the window. We're <laughs> okay, live, then, uh, How do you feel about American Airlines? Oh, come on. Good grief. They've generally been very, very good to me. But man, when they screw up, God, they screw up. It's such a mess. American Airlines been very, very good to me. My ass. Right up there with, you killed the car. You killed the car. Very good. (laughs) So, I have absolute proof. At least CBS and most of the major mainstream media has an obvious East Coast bias. There's no further proof needed than having watched the Gonzaga-Kentucky game Saturday. They start out the game. They're talking heads in the studio claiming that Gonzaga needed this win or else they wouldn't get into the tournament unless they won the West Coast Conference Championship. And yet the SEC was 10 deep getting into the tournament. So what happens? Gonzaga wins 89-85 at Rupp Arena. So tell me how bad Gonzaga is and tell me how good the SEC is. Explain that one to me. Kentucky, in a complete free fall of being absolutely unable to play defense, does not change the fact that Gonzaga needed this game to uh, to feel safe about the NCAA tournament and their at-large bid going into it and I've been banging that drum for a few weeks now and you've been hitting back on me and one game does not change that does not change that um perception so you still think Gonzaga might not make the NCAA tournament even though they beat oh my god great Kentucky and Rupp Arena that was not I worded I worded that I'm sorry I worded that wrong because just because Here comes Gonzaga backpedaling again. <laughs> just just because Gonzaga now has beaten Kentucky doesn't change my opinion from last week or three weeks ago that Gonzaga needed something to be able to put the claws into to, to to start you know shoring up their resume for an at-large berth. This is a big win. This gets them on the right side of things now, and I think they'd really have to fall apart 
for uh, for, for for them to, to miss. Uh, it, it's a it's a game changer for them. Uh, it's good, but that does not change the fact that they won the game. Does not change the fact that they needed to win the game. They, they needed this game need, and they got it. They, they didn't needed need it. need to win the game because Kentucky isn't that good. The only reason this was a then what happens is if they lost. What happens if they lost? Then this what? Isn't, if they're not that good? Well, Kentucky's still not that good, and yes, you got a point there. But still, there we go. I got a point. That's right. Saga's non-conference schedule, and yeah, they haven't won a lot of games. They haven't won a lot of big games. Yes, they didn't have a quad one win until this one, and the only reason this one was was because they were on the road. If it was Kentucky yeah. in a neutral court, it wouldn't have been a, a quad one. The thing is, Gonzaga's non-conference schedule is good enough. Hell, beating St. Mary's will be a bigger win than beating Kentucky. That is true. And they will that beat St. Mary's. They'll, they'll split that. The mm. bottom line is, Kentucky's Jesus. not that good. Their defense is an absolute sieve. And the They're SEC bad. as a whole is not that good if if they get 10 teams into the ncaa tournament you are you i guarantee you i am betting the under on total wins in the tournament and i'm betting against nearly every sec team in the first round if they get 10 teams in the tournament does the entire big 12 get in i guess that's the real question (laughs) if they get 10 teams in seven will lose in the first round there's no way the sec is getting 10 teams in. get the hell out of here well that's what cbs told us uh, who is it? Was it Rothstein? Was it John Rothstein? I don't remember Rothstein. which one of those goofs in the studio. That dude's a clown. Rothstein's a clown. Rothstein's a clown. No, that, that's absolutely ridiculous. And we've talked about this this season. We've said that that the, the SEC is top heavy and that once you get past about four, things Three. get dicey. Well, and, that, and that's what's kind of come to now is that Kentucky is not is not up there. South Carolina is is probably ahead of Kentucky in the pecking order. Yeah, they are. Uh, South Carolina point. isn't that good. We're probably no, going to we'll find see. that out this week. Well, we'll, 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 we'll give the Gamecocks a chance. We'll see about that. First time Kentucky has ever lost three straight games at Rupp Arena. They built the put the building up in '76. They've never lost three straight there until now. So that that the front expect- line of Gonzaga that we panned all year. Looked yeah. like all stars against Kentucky. Got whatever they wanted. Got whatever they wanted. The expectations are, are on a different level in Lexington, Kentucky. The fan base there has just about had it with John Calipari. I think it's coming to a to to and we could this would this was predictable, you know, fifteen years ago when, when they brought Coach Cal in. Coming to his final predictable dumpster fire. Close out. I'm looking forward to it. I can't lie. Oh, okay. This reminds me. Okay. So after the Gonzaga Kentucky game, and I didn't put it together immediately, what was trending on Twitter was fire Cal. And my Mm. first thought was, fuck, it's February. Where's there a fire in California? (laughs) Oh, wait. They want to fire Calipari. Little, uh, no, no. Kentucky fans are going nuts. So let's look at the SEC. Even even the best of the SEC had problems this week. Auburn midweek just destroys Alabama, which we kind of thought. You know, I I think Auburn's probably the better team between them. Alabama won at home. It was a struggle. 
Auburn just destroys Alabama on Auburn's home court. Jalen Williams, Johnny Broom, 50 points combined, 18 of them from the free throw line. This was an insane game. 68 made free throws on 85 attempts. 85 free throws. What are we doing? Come on. Let's, let's let them play a little bit, for God's sake. Good, good grief. Yeah, we said it last week. It would probably be Auburn t- returning the favor from the prior meeting. They came out a little hotter than I was expecting. I, I thought Bam would give them a closer game than that. Auburn brings the tide back to, back to earth a little bit on that front. And then things got weird on the weekend. Well, not really weird. I mean, this is what I expect. Auburn bounced, and Florida took advantage of it. And Florida destroyed Auburn on Florida's home court, 81-65. Here's, here's the thing, though. It's one thing to lose on the road. Auburn was down by about 40 points at <laughs> one point in this game. They well, were that's never because the SEC is so damn good, and they're going to get 10 teams in Florida. Ah, sweet 16. Come on. All right, well, Auburn there we go. bounced. All right. Auburn bounced. Auburn, Auburn did bounce, and Florida, Florida, Florida was ready for him. I saw a stat that Auburn hadn't won in Gainesville in like since the eighties. It's it's a long, long time. Well, you remember I know Auburn hasn't play. been that good until late. <laughs> well, I know, I know, it's crazy. But I mean, even, even the old the, the Chris Porter era, they they didn't win in Gainesville. So. And on the same day, Tennessee loses to Texas A and M, eighty five sixty nine. Because Texas A and M's so good, Sweet Sixteen, blah blah blah. No, no. SEC sucks. SEC is going to get 10 teams in the Elite Eight. (laughs) Mikey doing Scott Steiner math right there. There you go. (laughs) So Alabama and South Carolina are tied for first right now. Tennessee and Auburn are a game back. South Carolina, they're doing this thing with smoke and mirrors, and I think that mirror's cracked, and it's going to be totally broken coming Right now, their final seven games, listen to this lineup, at Auburn, hosting LSU, at Mississippi, at Texas A&M, Florida at home, Tennessee at home, at Mississippi State. I can see them losing six of those seven games. I agree with you that, that it's been a bit of smoke and mirrors for the Gamecocks. We bang on the SEC. We are not as high on the SEC as, as the CBS talking heads and whoever else. But for an SEC schedule, that's a that's a tough tough uh, road to hoe there, and and we'll see what South Carolina's made of. They they've got their hands full coming up, and the check may be coming due here for South Carolina. Hey, by the way, speaking of CBS talking heads, is Wally Zerbiak still around? And have his eyebrows fully grown into his beard? <laughs> um, I have no idea. I do not know the answer to that question. I, I haven't paid that much attention to see if old Wally's still hanging around. Let's get to a conference that is qualified to have 10 teams in the tournament. And 10 of them make the Elite Eight. I don't know about that. Oh, come on. The Big 12 could do that. Or do you think we were going to talk about the ACC right now? No, 10's <laughs> a little much. No, come on. Don't get me started on the ACC. So right after we went off the air on Monday... Kansas State defeats Kansas 75-70 in overtime. And if things work out correctly, just as we go off the air today, Kansas will again lose on Monday night at Texas Tech this time. It could happen. I'm not holding my breath on that one, but it could happen. We were talking about smoke and mirrors earlier. Well, McCullers hurt. He's probably not going to play that. 
good point. Yeah, McCullough, McCullough is out. So we're oh, he's most officially likely out, out now. I, I th- most likely. I know he missed the game over the weekend. We'll see. That's a quick turn. I don't know if they got him ready two days later. But I think Texas Tech was a little bit of smoke and mirrors to start the start the uh, you know start the conference play. So maybe Kansas can go out there and, and get some. This game uh, in Manhattan was fantastic Monday night. Uh, and Kansas State has somehow are they have they won eleven consecutive overtime games? Is that the statistic holy that cow? I, saw? I did not see that. They they are like uh, they, they have some wild overtime streak. I, it's either eleven or thirteen. It's it's wild. <laughs> That's a it, great it, stat. I love that. It see it looked like Kansas was going to put the uh, the Wildcats away a couple of occasions, and they just managed to get enough scrap back to to force to to, to to they got even a few times they got ahead uh it just it, i could not believe that can i looked up and kansas was up by nine i'm like all right it's over and the next thing i knew the game was tied next thing i looked kansas was up by six again and they were just they were just going after it in the second half and then into overtime i was i was kansas state needed that game and they got it big time big time atmosphere there in manhattan by the way, thanks to Ken Palm, it's 11 overtime games in a row that they have won. The last time they lost an overtime game was February 19th, 2022 at Oklahoma State. They won Let's six just... overtime games this year so far. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's the last last time they lost, they've won 11 in a row. The last time they've lost an overtime game was February of 22. That means they've played 11 overtime games in less than two calendar years. That's insane. Yeah, that that's a great stat. I love that. Uh, thank you, Ken Palm, for being able to find that kind of statistic very readily. That dude is just a mastermind of statistics. He's, he's good. So the next day... Baylor knocks off Texas Tech. That was their third straight loss. Knocked them out of the Big 12 lead. Mm. Baylor retained a piece of first place with Houston and Iowa State as they walked into the weekend. Ray J. Dennis, former Boise Boise guy, scored 21 in that game. By the way, Ray J. Dennis, also Reggie Theus' illegitimate son, must be. Or maybe legitimate <laughs> son, straight up, man. They look, the, the, God, I hadn't thought about that. There's some serious, serious resemblance there. <laughs> so on Saturday, I said we had three teams in first place. Baylor, Houston, Iowa State. Iowa State knocks off TCU. That keeps them in the Big 12 lead. Houston wins as well. I think it was against Cincinnati. But then Kansas knocks off Baylor, and this was a slugfest. 64-61, Kansas survives at home. Really good game Saturday night uh, there at Allen Fieldhouse. And, and again, ba- Baylor continues to play just, just high-intensity games with great finishes. Baylor had a couple of good looks and just couldn't knock them down. Uh, Jayhawks survive. So, and, and that's the big thing about tonight's game, Kansas-Texas Tech. Both of them sitting in second place right now, a game behind a three-way, two-way tie for first. Could this be a loser leaves town as far as the Big 12 titles concerned? Being two games behind that many teams this late in the year. I don't know because there's a, there's enough opportunity for, for other dudes to get knocked off in between. End of the regular season is late this year. 
there's an extra week in here. It feels like it's getting late, but there's actually an extra week. I'm not quite ready to write off the loser of this yet. I might write off Texas Tech. I don't know if I'd write off Kansas yet, though. Oh, I, I, I say I wrote off Kansas back in November. Yeah, you did, and then they, and then they. They're beat not Houston. going to finish first or second this year. Mm-hmm. They're still yeah. not going to do that. By the way, you mentioned that Houston Cincinnati game. Uh, Houston had to come from behind in the second half. It looked really, really good down the stretch and closing out the Bearcats, 67-62. They had their hands full. That was a big-time performance from uh, from the Bearcats in the losing effort. I'll, I'll give them credit. Cincinnati and BYU are perhaps two of the best underrated teams in the nation. And a lot of it's because they're in the Big 12. But, I mean, come tournament time, those Big 12 tournament, and if they get lucky into the NCAA tournament, they're going to be nasty. Can't wait to bet against the Big 12 in the NCAA tournament. Are you serious against them? I am them? serious. Against them, yeah. I am serious. I, uh, we'll, talk, we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that. They're going to post some good seed. Let's see them do the thing in in March. We'll see what happens. Well, the crazy thing is there's going to be so, – there could, there could be 27, 25 teams from the Big 12, SEC, and Big 10 – so, I mean, they've got to be matched up against each other. And I'll take the Big 12 over either of those two conferences. I don't care who's playing who. I'll probably, I'll take the Big 12 over the over the SEC on, on the whole. On the whole. Oh, I, hell, I think the SEC might be better than the Big 10 on the whole. Oh, I agree with that, too. But I'm still, I'm still saying when it comes down to the nitty-gritty, are, are you going to over or under one and a half? Final four teams for the Big 12. What are you taking? Wait, f- final four over or under final one four. and a half? One and a half. Yeah. I'm talking all this. All I've heard for the last three seasons, how great the, the Big 12 is. But, you know. They, no, they I, 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 I think the nation is too deep. No conference will get more than one team in the final four. The question is, okay. is could the Big 12 get three into the Elite Eight. Well, that's going to say, so then do you go over under two and a half? You go th- into the eight? And, all, and it all, yeah, it all depends on the draw. I know yeah. this. If, we're, I'm we're, getting we're plus, if I'm getting plus money on that, yes, I'll take that bet. Okay. I'll Even plus one 110, I'd take that. We'll file that one away for, for six weeks from now. <laughs> By the way, uh, should we note right now, are we doing our, our Sweet 16 predictions next week? One month away? Uh, yeah, we should. All right. We should, yeah. All right, there we go. Sweet 16 predictions from Mikey and Allen next week, one month away from but, Selection no, no, Sunday. H- hang on, hang on. Are we talking Sweet 16 predictions or just the top four, the top 16 seeds in the tournament? Well, I mean, you know how it works. I mean, we try to put them in, bracket, in brackets and regions. Yes, okay. All right, just making sure. Yeah, yeah. No, it's no All fun right. just trying to pick 16. No, put, put them in brackets. Put them in it. Put them okay. in regions. I'm I'm here for it. Then. All right. The other major conference that we need to talk about is the ACC. For the second time in midweek, North Carolina falls to a lesser team. This time, Clemson wins at Carolina, 80-76. That means that they lost both games around the big Duke win. Yeah, I expected the trap game. I, the Georgia Tech game didn't surprise me. I was I was expecting that. This one. 
caught me off guard a little bit because I thought they'd be up for Clemson. I know it's coming off the big rivalry game and all that, but maybe this is a credit to Clemson. Uh, P.J. Hall was fantastic against Baycott and the, uh, and, and the Carolina front line. Not, it punched him in the mouth right out of the gate. Carolina could never quite get uh, get stable after that. They did tie it. They rallied to tie it up at 70 with about oh, th- three and a half minutes left. Then proceeded to turn the ball over like four t- possessions in a row while uh, Clemson got buckets. And that was the difference in the game. Up and down things. I'm not worried about Carolina, but losing at home like that. It's a ding to their uh, to, to the old uh, tournament resume as far as trying to lock it on a one seed. I will say this, Clemson getting that win on the road boosts the ACC overall resume across the board. Anybody that's got wins over them might, might get a little boost off of that. So that's a big-time win for the Tigers there. Got to feel good about where Clemson's sitting now. Could this for North Carolina be the February doldrums that does affect a really good team sometimes. It could be. They struggled on the road at Miami over the weekend, managed to pull out a win. I think it does highlight the need for their sixth man, Seth Trimble, as a defensive uh, spark plug off the bench, who had been coming around on the offensive side as well. Again, I'm not too worried about it, especially the, especially the weekend game. Never apologize for winning on the road in conference, no matter how ugly it is. Carolina down at the half. They, they, they blew two 12-point leads in this game. One in the first half, one in the second half, uh, but managed to stave off Miami late and, uh, and got just enough plays to close them out. So it's a good win. All wins are good wins. That, that's, a, that's a team that was in the Final Four last year. You went down there. Place it has ne- always been a little bit of a trouble spot for Carolina. They got a win. Yeah, it's, it, it's fine. It's good, good stuff. Again, Elliot Cano continues to come along. I am uh, excited about where he's going to be here in a here in a few weeks another team that might be suffering some february doldrums 2023 final four participant florida atlantic they Mm. played two overtime games this week losing to uab 76 73 then coming back to win at wichita state 95 to 82 pulling away in overtime after nearly losing it in the final minutes of regulation Florida Atlantic doesn't have anything to worry about for the tournament, right? Oh, they I don't know. know. They may not they be able to get in. You know, I mean. <laughs> no, wait, 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 wait. Florida's on the East Coast. No, they're fine. Uh-huh, yeah. Just, I... How many Gonzaga games has CBS Talking Heads seen all year? Over, under, one and a half. Going over. They caught a couple of those holiday, uh, those holiday games. The, the non-exempt or whatever the hell they caught on. So That's right. I think Gonzaga was in Hawaii. There you go. I, I, I think everybody kind of thought Florida Atlantic was going to have an easier time navigating the, the AAC this year. And it hadn't happened. That's credit to teams like UAB, North Texas, and just the, the, the field for, for stepping up their game and, and coming along. Let's, re- let's remember, you know, Florida Atlantic, they got a lot of hype coming. They were an eight seed last year or a nine seed. Maybe it was a nine seed. Maybe I can't remember. Uh, you know, they were in the 8-9 game and, and made their run to the Final Four out of there. They had the draw that had uh, where Purdue should have been, weren't they? No, oh, they would have beat Purdue if... Uh, no, they probably <laughs> would have. If, if Dickinson hadn't. It was Dickinson, right? Yes, I was, I was drawing a blank as to who the 16 was. Because, you, you know, Purdue loses to so 
Oh, wait, no, that's Virginia that lost to Maryland, Baltimore County. Virginia, Purdue, all y'all look alike. I got underachievers look alike. We'll see if see if Purdue can can do the same script. I know that's what they're shooting for this year. We'll talk about that later. But uh, you talk about teams in the American. I uh, you rattle off a bunch of them. Two that you didn't mention were South Florida and Charlotte. South Florida beat Charlotte on Tuesday, and guess who's in the lead in the American? It's the South Florida Bulls. How I don't know how this is a thing, but USF ten and one in the. Uh in the conference and looking really good right now. This is a swerve that uh, even Russo didn't have coming down the pipe. The Bulls might be legit. Not a lot in that uh, that non-conference schedule for South Florida, but they got enough clout here in the AAC where, where you got to feel really good right now for USF. Yeah, I do. We'll find out how good they are. They host Florida Atlantic Sunday, 9 a.m. Vegas time on ESPN. That's going to be a great game. Big time game there. So another thing that CBS told us was true was that it's Connecticut and Purdue and everybody else is a step behind. Now, I might have to agree with Connecticut as much as I still dislike them for winning last year and screwing so many of my bets. But Purdue? Really? It's easy to come out here and... and flap our gums about Purdue when you know they they got the they got the big Shrek guy in the middle who who gets all these I am a robot with, with no emotions yeah i it's it, it it's a cheat code whatever well Let's he but he's a cheat code boys. that's no fun i i realize that's what it is you were like Patrick Ewing, Dikembe Mutombo. I know I'm just going through all the Georgetown centers, but they played with emotion. And 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 when they scored and when they defended, they had ego and emotion on their side. Zach oh, yeah. Eady looks like he's just, he, he's a robot. He have, shows absolutely no emotion when he does anything. Even when he hit that three this weekend. He's uh, first in his college career. Congratulations. That's great. Manu Bull made more threes than Zach Eady. I've said this on Twitter for the past week, and it's it's time to it's it's time to throw this out there now. If it's easy to go out there and average twenty three points a game and all these rebounds and whatnot, when when you're the you're the seven four guy on on the number one team in the nation. All right, it's it's easy. Uh, R.J. Davis is averaging like 22 points a game and physically and mentally dragging this Carolina team <laughs> to where it's at right now. R.J. Davis should be the National Player of the Year front runner right now, not Zach Eady. It's easy to do what Zach Eady is doing right now. Uh, R.J. Davis, not so much when you're the littlest guy on the court and you got to do everything that he has to do. That stat line he had against Miami was like 25, 8, and 7 or so. It was something ridiculous and... Like, wait a minute, what's what's this guy doing? You so, you, you want some older um, comparisons? Yes. Zach Eady is Shaquille O'Neal. Your boy is Allen Iverson. That's that, that's fair. Shaq had more Shaq had way more personality. Than, yeah, uh, yeah, but I mean it, than Eady. It, his but physical he on dominance was exactly. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a that, that's a fair comparison. So anyway, in the But but uh, yeah, let's let's go back to the big east. UConn, I, I think UConn is still uh, the team right now. I think Purdue's just a smidge behind. I do think those two teams are 
above the rest of the field. I don't think it's some massive gap, though. No, I think it's there is not a, a massive gap at Purdue, all. And it's tiny from Purdue down to Houston or whoever you want to call third, and then down to four. Who who the hell knows starting at four? So Connecticut has a big game Saturday against Marquette. They're at home, but that just makes Marquette even more dangerous. Shock is smart on the road as a dog against the number one team in the nation. Sure, give me Marquette. Take the points, absolutely. By the way, one we big... Skimmed, we skimmed over it. I was going to say, yeah, we skimmed over it. That Providence Creighton game yes. in midweek last week was fantastic. Devin Carter makes that three at the end of regulation. He was towing the logo at midcourt. Uh, Serious, 32, 34. It was at least... A, I, was trying to do, I was trying to do the math. It's at least 34 feet. Probably further than that. Yeah, that was an amazing shot. And it was just nothing but net. And he, and, he, and he didn't just heave it up there. It was a jump shot. I, that's oh, what yeah. makes Steph Curry so good is he makes those as jump shots. And that's what Carter with, did. With plenty of time on the clock. He did not have to shoot that. He just pulled up and said, you know what? I got this. Boom. By the way, Providence beat Creighton 91-87. Really good game. Great atmosphere there. Uh, they had the pink out going on, so they had that going. It was fantastic. It was, good. it was really good. Over in the Big Ten, Wisconsin loses twice more. Mm. They've now lost four in a row. What's up with Wisconsin? Yeah, we've been you know sitting here talking about you know Kentucky in a free fall, and all of a sudden the Badgers, the Badgers in the free fall instead. You can't lose to Michigan. Michigan. I'm, I'm sorry. Michigan. That's, yeah, that's the problem. Rutgers is is Iowa is Iowa football on on the basketball court. That's what they are. They're hideous offensive efficiency, but can shut you down on the defensive side. And that's what they did to Wisconsin on Saturday. You can't lose that game to Michigan. Michigan's a shit show right now. But all of a sudden, now is it the February doldrums for for Wisconsin? I I, I don't know. Uh, no, 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 I do no, no. Think February doldrums means you lose to good teams. These Michigan, no Michigan. You you should be prevented from playing in the NCAA tournament if you lose to Michigan. I I think, and I was to say, is it February doldrums or is this actually Wisconsin coming back to reality after a after a smoking hot start to the season? I, I think it's a little more of the latter. Wisconsin, maybe maybe teams have figured them out. I don't know. I just I I I never I never totally bought into the, to this Wisconsin overhauling their offense and running up and down the court and all this stuff dropping four in a row. Now that's a serious red flags here. I think they're coming back to earth in that stretch. They shot from three point land 22 of 86. That's 25.6% for those math unenabled as I'm blanking for words. (laughs) I'm grammatically say, deficient, math deficient. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> and then you, t- and then you take Wisconsin 66 at two thirds percent. <laughs> Thank you, Scott Steiner. Hey, before we go to break, St. Mary's defeated Pacific 84-43 in midweek. Two weeks after they beat them by 48 points. Mm. And remember I told you that their bench played 77 minutes in that first defeat? Well, they got 79 minutes of action in this game. Woo, buddy. Good grief. St. Mary's now the longest winning streak in the nation at 12. 
So if you want to lay back and enjoy your winning streak, you'd probably want to go someplace nice and sunny, maybe some water around it, a big boat. Who might you call? Hit up our girl Wendy Prater at Magical Journeys Travel. She can hook you up with your next tropical getaway, whether it's on all major cruise lines and all-inclusive down in the Caribbean, Southern California, Central Florida, those kind of places. Hit her up. She'll take care of you. She can tell you just based on your personality and your crew where you need to go, when you need to go there. Custom-made itineraries for you and your traveling crew at no extra charge to you. Find her on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the social media gimmicks at WP Magic Journeys. That's the best way to contact her. Wendy Prater at Magical Journeys Travel. She makes the plans. You make the memories. And I'm hijacking us coming out of the break. Uh-oh. Look out. Because today is the 10th anniversary of a very, very near and dear event to our hearts here at 60 Year Seniors. I want to know if you've been keeping up with the, with, with the news lately. 10th year anniversary. What happened in very February big moment. of Very big moment. Very big moment in six-year seniors' history happened t- this night ten years ago. Uh, did Johnny Manziel do something stupid in February? Nope. I'll tell you what it was. Shashevsky can't drive in the oh, snow. Oh, oh, oh! This is the <laughs> night. <laughs> February twelfth, twenty fourteen. Uh, they canceled or postponed the Carolina Duke game in Chapel Hill due to the the wild winter storm that swept through the triangle that morning and Duke didn't plan ahead and decided not to, not to make the drive down 15, five Oh one, just an all time moment in the rivalry. They wind up rescheduling the game for the middle of the following Duke was playing Syracuse greatest rivalry in college <laughs> basketball. Thanks ESPN. They played the, at the carrier dome Monday night on big Monday. Then it's, they go from Monday to Carolina Duke Thursday, and the Duke had to play the weekend. Shashevsky whined about having to play three games in one week. Instead of whining, he should have taken a course and driving in the snow. It's not that I difficult. Think, I think Duke won late at Syracuse. Actually, I think that was like the the end of of, of the of the really brief Duke Syracuse rivalry. It was Duke winning that game? But you know, Duke you know emotionally drained after coming off the big rivalry loses. In Chapel Hill the following week, I believe it was 74 to 66, I think. Marcus Page had a big game. All-time great moment in college basketball history. Duke can't drive in the snow, and they postponed the Carolina Duke game. Ten years tonight, let's sell it. And what was it? It was like four or six inches of snow. It wasn't that bad. It was a lot. I'll say this. It was a lot for the research triangle. Well, yes, yeah, so for Carolina, it, got, it was a lot, but come on. It got bad in a hurry there, and, and and looking looking back, it was probably okay. But they could have they could have drove up the road and stayed at the hotel for the night there in Chapel Hill. It, they could have made it work. The referees were in town. Everybody was in town, but the guys eight miles down the road. Come on, eight miles. Yeah, come on. Pl- plan ahead. Come down here and get your ass whooped. And that's what they should have done. They got it the next weekend. It was, it was all good. What's all's well that ends well. So this weekend, one of the more interesting things under the radar, the Sun Belt and the Mid-American decided to have a little conference tournament amongst themselves. It didn't end up a mountain of much. 
All the games were at the Sun Belt homes, and what do you know? The Sun Belt wins ten to two. The only two games the MAC won were by Central Michigan and Buffalo. They won by one point each. Why were all the games at the Sun Belt locations? Uh, because it's the middle of February, and who wants to go up into the Michigan and Ohio area? Who wants to drive in the snow in February? Got it. Okay. Just want to make sure we're tying those loose ends together. Uh, I, t- I, t- I told you offline, I-, I think this is why I don't pay attention to the Mac much. Uh, they-, they-, they just completely, completely just soiled themselves against the Sun Belt. I know they're all on the road. It's hard to win on the road. We say that here every week. Uh, do a little better, Mac. Come on. The thing was is their top teams weren't even competitive. Uh, granted, Toledo went yeah. to double overtime with Appalachian State. App State wins 109-104. That was a fantastic game. But Kent State loses to Troy by 10. Akron loses James Madison by 14. My Trojans are quietly hanging around there at the top of the Sun Belt. They might be a problem come conference tournament time. Yeah, let's talk about that. Going back to the Sun Belt proper, App State lost at Texas State in midweek. That was the end of their three-game road trip where they did go 2-1. and one. But that allowed Troy to get back into a tie with App State. Yep. App State, though, has the more favorable schedule. They've got four of their last six at home, while Troy's got two home games and then four straight road games at the end of the season. How does that happen? Who booked this shit? Uh, The the Sun Belt travel schedule is really screwy. (laughs) That's why, uh, for all the praise I've heaped on the Sun Belt for how they have built their, their conference, it's still too damn big to be a real conference. It needs to be split up into the East and the West, and let's get back to the days where we can play double round robin, where we're not playing four road games in a row, and, and we've got you know eight or no more than ten team conferences, and shit's actually right. Thanks, college realignment. Oh uh, wait, wait, you're, wait! You're I, I, breaking news: I've just heard that they hired secretly Larry Scott to be their commissioner. Oh, that's fantastic! <laughs> can't can't wait to can't wait to have to subscribe to 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 some. <laughs> The Sunbelt streaming Network. service to, to watch the Sunbelt. Yes, absolutely. No, the worst thing is not only do you have to like, you know, find it on streaming services, but the Pac-12 was on the sports extra pay feature on most systems. Yeah, Sunbelt Network, available in North Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and Ruston, Louisiana. That's that's great. That's good good stuff, y'all. That's great. Talking about the nearly defunct Pac-12, mm. <laughs> UCLA continues its drive for an NCAA tournament bid. They win at Stanford and at California. Sweep the bay. I'm telling you, they've got a shot at this. They host Colorado and Utah this week. Win at home. Colorado, Utah, those are both win- good wins. They can I, win those I, games. You know, I, I I think they've got a shot at this. I don't know if I'm going that far, but man. Hey, uh, by the way, so so the Southern California teams were playing the Northern California teams this week, and that meant that USC was at California for the first time in ages. Berkeley sold out, not to see Bronny James. But because the rumor was LeBron James was in the house. <laughs> what kind of carny crap is that? Come on. 
And it ended up being true. LeBron did come in to watch his son play. Oh, okay. And then California beat USC. Andy Enfield, man. Good grief. And give California to do. As bad as they were last year, they're sitting at 500 right now in the Pac-12, which actually may say more about the Pac-12 than California, but we'll give them credit right now. ACC, only bringing in the, the, the finest basketball programs from the West Coast. Meanwhile, in a game that probably nobody saw, well, maybe 14 subscribers that still, you know, that still watch the Pac-12 network, Arizona wins at Utah in midweek, triple overtime, 105-99. Yeah, I, I did not see this game. I heard about it the next morning, read a little bit. Arizona played a, a double overtime game in Salt Lake in the tournament. God, this was years ago. Uh, and escape. They escape out of this one, too. Big time win on the road there for the for the Wildcats, who who have sort of it feels like they've they've steadied themselves a little bit after looking a little shaky a few weeks ago. Worst thing for the home crowd, Utah goes three overtimes and doesn't cover. Mm, you got to keep the alumni happy. The line was five and a half. Brutal, brutal. Arizona showed no residual effects on the weekend. They beat Colorado ninety nine seventy nine. They flipped the switch when they need to flip the switch. I was I was w- wondering if my expectations on Arizona were, were a little too much, and then they go on the road uh, in the mountains and, and sweep the weekend like this, and quarter you know steady themselves. Blew out Colorado after the the draining game Thursday night in triple overtime. Arizona seems to maybe they've shaken it off. They're good to go now. And with all this chaos, Washington State is now in second place in the Pac-12 after winning at Oregon 62-56 on Saturday. Blue Ribbon had Washington State finishing 10th this year. Second place is fantastic for the Cougs. Tony Bennett ain't walking through that door. Clay Thompson ain't walking through that door. That they're uh, holding their own as much as they are in the conference, that's fantastic. And and it's legit. They've won five of their last six road games. They finish Five of seven at home, including Cal and Stanford this week, who they should beat. And by the way, my love for Stanford's is going out the door. I, they need a miracle. They probably need to win both these road games to have any hope of getting back into the NCAA tournament consideration. And what about your love for Memphis? Oh, dear God. Come on, man. <laughs> Cheap shot. Pearl Harbor job. That was brass knucks in the back of the head. <laughs> Fantastic. That's great. Let's look at the Mountain West. Nevada wins at Utah State in midweek. Big, big win for Nevada. And then they follow Absolutely. it up with a win over San Diego State on Friday. Yeah, Pac's looking dangerous now. I mean, it just seems like it's rotating around. Like, like who, who's going to be the... You know who's going to be the spoiler in the league? And they just you know just just hot tag after hot tag. Now, Nevada all of a sudden looking dangerous. Well, yeah, you talk about that. So UNLV wins at the pit against New Mexico, eighty seventy seven, and with that, the late night game on Saturday, Utah State and Boise was for the league lead. Utah yeah, State wins eighty sixty one. Aggies pretty much controlled that one from the tip. Boise could never get their offense going at all. Uh, Utah State just just dominates. So Utah State now leads the conference at 8-3. and three. They're a game ahead of Colorado State, 
New Mexico, San Diego State, and Boise. Plus, there's two more teams at 6-4, and four, Nevada and UNLV. And Nevada and UNLV play a great late-night get-back on Saturday night. It helps when you've got two, you know, just cellar dwellers like Air Force and San Jose State that just, that, that just do job after job after job and, and, and inflates the, the conference record of everybody else. That's kind of what's happening here. But it's good. You've got seven, you know, you've got Utah State at 8-3. and three. And UNLV is, is, you know, you've got a six-way tie at one, one game back in the loss column. It's fantastic. Why was two games back in the loss column? It's wide open. Yeah, the Mountain West is essentially the West Coast version of the Horizon Conference. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Out in the American East, huge, huge upset. New Jersey Institute of Technology defeats Vermont 63-61. Brutal. Uh, they were 5-15, and 1-7 and seven in conference, going up against unbeaten in American East, Vermont. 15-and-a-half-point favorite, Vermont was. That's, that is wild. Absolutely wild. Vermont's still on top of the league. They still sit a game ahead. But Well, that's because man, that's you, New Jersey beat Mass Lowell on the weekend. Like, go figure, this team all of a sudden gets hot. That might cost the Catamounts a seed line if it comes to it. That's a bad loss. Yeah, that, that's just amazing. New Jersey Institute of Technology, that's probably one of their biggest wins in program history. They Didn't they beat Michigan like six or seven years ago? Oh, man. That does kind of ring a bell. Yeah. The monkeys, the monkeys in the truck are, 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 are typing right now as, as, as I speak. Monkeys in the truck, fill them in. De- hey, more things that happened in the year 2014. December 6th, NJIT 72, Michigan 70. Holy cow. And that's when Michigan actually used to be good. But they, They've been in the national championship game the year before that. Yeah, so that would be the, fifth, the, the 2015 season, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've got it here. Okay, no, they were 15. See, it's because they lost to New Jersey that they fell apart. Yeah, exactly. I don't remember what they did in 14, but they went to the national title game and led in the second half against Louisville in 2013. Uh, They were a number two seed in the NCAA tournament in 2014, and... Kentucky beat them at the... No. Yes, you're correct. Kentucky beat them. Oh, Kentucky did beat them. One of the Harrison twins hit the hit the three pointer late oh, to, for to beat them, out and then and then the same kid hit the shot against Wisconsin to put him in the in the title game against UConn. The Harrison that's, twins. That's what I was confused. Some of your favorites, yeah. If I remember correctly, I checked that. I I think I mentioned them uh, earlier this year. They're both playing in Europe somewhere, in different that's countries. Good. good for them. Get paid. But nobody wants them both on the same team. One head case, you're okay. Two head cases, not so much. Out in the Big South, High Point loses to Asheville in midweek, but then turns around and wins at Gardner-Webb 78-62 on Saturday. They get that big road split that they needed. Yeah, High Point solid. Keep an eye on them in March. They had won 12 in a row. They had the longest winning streak in the nation until they lost to Asheville. But yeah, I, I agree with you. High points gonna be a scary team come tournament time. It feels like there's one more showdown between High Point and Nashville coming in the uh, 
Big South final? Uh, probably. I, I don't see Gardner-Webb being the second team. I, 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 hope, no, yeah. I hope we get to see Asheville and High Point again. Yeah. In the Ivy, Yale defeats Cornell 80-78. Matt Noling gets the inbound pass right by the side of the key, a little five-footer, short jumper, foul, 3.2 seconds left. That gives Yale the win in the battle of the unbeatens in the Ivy. Latest on the calendar that two undefeated teams in the conference had ever played in the Ivy League. Wow. Yeah. There's one, there's one out of the vault for you right there. The rematch is at Cornell, February 23rd. And by the way, as you all probably know, Ivy, four-team tournament, the fight for fourth place, Columbia beats Brown 83-69. That gets Columbia into fourth place, tied at three and four with Harvard. That makes the Yale-Cornell battle that much more important because it feels like uh, Princeton would be a much better, uh, much tougher semifinal draw than no Columbia River emerges out of Columbia and Harvard. So watch out for that Yale Cornell rematch. There's a lots of implications here. Yeah. There's a huge chasm between third and fourth place in the eye. Yeah. We haven't talked much about the Atlantic 10 this year. They've become a one bid conference, I believe. And Dayton didn't do any, do themselves any favors by losing to VCU 49, 47 on Friday, ugly basketball game. Yeah. Not, not a, not a good game whatsoever. Dayton's better than that. Took one on the road. Is what it is. So Dayton fell to nine and two. They're a game behind Richmond, who beat LaSalle on Saturday. Dayton lost at Richmond in their only meeting. VCU is eight and three. They're in fourth place. City in third. Loyola of Chicago. They're nine and two, and the Ramblers are starting to get noticed again. Interesting. Sister Jean's still alive. Far as I know, I haven't seen any uh, words said otherwise. Yeah, I, I think you'd hear that. Yeah. Sister Jean working her magic at Loyola Chicago. Maybe you got one, one more, one more run. Let's fire it back up. Get the band back together. In the Southern Conference, Sanford wins at Greensboro, seventy-eight sixty-nine on Thursday. That was a really fun game. And then Greensboro drops another game at home to Chattanooga on Saturday, eighty-nine sixty-one. All of a sudden, Sanford's sitting there with a two-game lead uh, over Chattanooga. Greensboro's now three games back. Sanford starting to put the clamps on the SOCOM. Out in the Atlantic Sun, Eastern Kentucky loses to Stetson 87-79. And suddenly, Eastern Kentucky's lead in that conference is a little wavy. They've still got a game lead. But this was their only meeting, so Stetson has the tiebreaker. Stetson now has a three-game homestand as well. Eastern, I believe, has three road games of their five to finish the season. No margin of error for the Colonels here. We'll see what they got. Coastal has become fun. Drexel drops a pair of games. Wilmington and Charleston have the lead in the conference with three losses, with Delaware, Drexel, Hofstra, and Towson all one came back. Wilmington and Charleston at the top of the league, as it is meant to be. But Wilmington swept the season series. They're in the driver's seat right now. Out in the horizon, Green Bay wins at Youngstown, 84-83. Foster Wonders nails a three with two seconds left. That gives Green Bay possible control of the horizon. They're the only team with three losses, and they have three of their five remaining games at home. A little bit of racetrack 
starting to starting to emerge between uh, Green Bay, Oakland, Youngstown, down the standings there. So it, it might be it might be Green Bay starting to pull away. Watch out for Oakland though. They're a game back. They've split with Green Bay, and they also have an easier schedule remaining than Green Bay. And and who knows if they tie for first place and all the tiebreakers go into effect, which team will get the number one seed in the conference tournament? Spoiler alert: I'm not busting out the matrix of death. Damn! <laughs> Just saying. Out in the Big West, Hawaii created some chaos. They beat. Monkey in the Ranch. Yes. They beat UC San Diego in overtime on Thursday. Then they beat Davis on Saturday. That would have given Irvine command of the Big West, except Irvine loses to Riverside on Saturday, 88-78. So Irvine only has a game lead still. Would have been a good spot there for Irvine to, to stay ahead. You, you can't do the job to Riverside. Come on, Anteaters. Riverside was led in that game by Benjamin Gritsky. He's a 6'11 Aussie who scored 26 points off the bench, including 6 for 10 from 3. That works. And the crazy thing was, in the first meeting between Riverside and Irvine, he was 5 for 13 from 3. Apparently, the only team he can play against is Irvine. Let him cook, shit. (laughs) Out in the Ohio Valley, Moorhead State beat SUI Edwardsville that avenged their only defeat in conference. They now lead by three games over four other teams. Let's queue up Dandy Don Maris to turn out the lights. Party's over. Moorhead might be an interesting underdog in the NCAA tournament. Could be. Could be. In the summit, South Dakota State beats Oral Roberts 83 72. Luke Apple has 25 points. William Kyle added 17 and 12 rebounds. South Dakota State now has the top spot in the summit, finally taking over from surprising North Dakota. Still pretty tight there. Lots of basketball to be played, but it gets, it, South Dakota State on top is, is where it needs to be. North Dakota started the conference season 0-3. Then they ripped off seven in a row before they lost to Missouri-Kansas City 64-47 on Saturday. And they, kind of like South Carolina, have a tough stretch coming up. Yeah, Bill might be coming due for uh, for North Dakota. Let's see, what else do we have here? Uh, in the Patriot, remember we talked about the slow start that Colgate had, but they've now won eight in a row. They're 11-1 in conference, and they have a two-game lead over Lafayette, which lost Saturday in double overtime to Lehigh. Yeah, Lafayette needed that one to, to, to stay within striking distance. Feels like Colgate's got uh, got control now, and I don't think they're going to give it up. And finally, in the whack, Grand Canyon leads with a 12-1 record. They're 22-2 overall. Tarlington State, two games back. They're now ranked 53rd in the Ken Palm. Could Grand Canyon mm. get in as Nat large? That's a big, big ask. I don't think so. The win over San Francisco is nice. It's not as nice as it would have been a couple of years ago. They they lost to the Smoke and Mirrors, South Carolina Gamecocks. They they got a nice win over San Diego State. That at least gives you a little bit of something on the bone there. But that's about it. I don't think that's enough. I I, I think they're going to have to win this thing. By the way, Tyon Grant Foster leads their team. He's the transfer from DePaul and the reason the Blue Demons are so bad this year. 
So before we get to this week's schedule, which is pretty light, I guess we have to talk about the Super Bowl and how rigged the NFL is. You called it. Oh, it's rigged. You called it. Yeah. I told you. I, I, I didn't hit the proposal piece. I, I, I was I was all ready for that. I, it was it was on the table right there. I, I guess the uh, I guess they even said that was a little too much. Did you see the report that Sean McManus uh, made the comment before the game about uh, you know yeah, we paid so much money for this uh, to, to show the Super Bowl. That uh, that the league promised us double overtime. Y- yes, yes. <laughs> okay, that's fantastic. I really needed the game to go into double overtime just for that statement. It came um, so close. It was a play away. <laughs> yeah, all we all we needed was a run play that didn't get the goal line, and we're going to double overtime. It would have been fantastic. Did you see uh, during media day? Uh, during the Roger Goodell press conference, some fool asked him about the conspiracy theory with Taylor Swift and, and the Chiefs and the whole bit, and you know, uh, endorsing Joe no. Biden presidential election, the whole shit. I did not see any of that shit. Goodell froze. That's hilarious. He could. I, he just couldn't figure out how to wrap his head around a correct answer at that point. You know. You know who would have been great at giving such an answer at such a ridiculous question. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, Vince McMahon. <laughs> Vince McMahon would have chewed up a carny question like that out and, and spin it. It would have been fantastic. Um, I'm no, just I, here I, so I, I, I do don't get to, fined. <laughs> that too. I know I do my best to block out all of that. Crap. I did a really good job this year of, of avoiding all Super Bowl talk for 13 days up until Super Bowl Sunday. It was fantastic. I figured it was either going to be a 49ers blowout. Or the Chiefs were going to win close. And knowing how these things generally work based on how things go, it was much more likely that the Chiefs were going to win close. Uh, although it felt like for a little bit there, there was an opportunity for the Niners to uh, stretch it out, so to speak. But no, it, it, you know, the Niners can't get out of their own way. Uh, stupid turnovers. The injury. God, we got guys blowing Achilles running, running in off on the sideline. Running on the field. Jeez. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Although you um, know that, I mean, that Achilles was about to go. He would have done it on the next play if he hadn't done it running out of the field. Most likely, yeah, just so. But I have a question, and, and this is what I really wanted to talk to you about. Given the new overtime rules. And well, it's, it, it, go, it's only for playoffs, but yeah. Yeah, only for playoffs. Should San Fran have kicked off? You know, it was mentioned. It Was it Romo? Doing color? I, yes, I get him and Aikman mixed up. You know, they all, all y'all Dallas Cowboy quarterbacks look alike. But anyway. Yeah, well, yeah. one of them is actually halfway decent at their job. The other one is Tony Romo. So. <laughs> okay. So anyway, whoever that was mentioned it about halfway through the Kansas City Drive that he would have liked to play second. And it made sense, yes. Because if you know you're going to get the ball regardless – you may as well know what you need to do. It's just like college overtime, where you exactly. want the ball second. Like Twitter had a, a meltdown as it happened because I, of course, I follow all the college football guys, and they're like, "What are you doing? Why do you want the ball?" And then, of course, the 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 concept sort of got fleshed out in real time, and then Shanahan made the comment after the game: "If it got to a tie, we wanted the ball in on the third possession so we could win it in sudden death." 
And here's that's the fault a with stretch, that. though, man. That's a stretch. One, you're play, you, there's no one. There's no guarantee of that third possession. Two, if if San Francisco scores a touchdown on that first drive, I'm presuming they're going to kick the extra point. They're not going for two, right? Oh hell no, 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 no. The Chiefs said after the game that they had they had gone through all the scenarios, and their plan was if it got to overtime, they were going to kick. And if they gave up the touchdown, they knew they'd have to answer with their own. And that the plan from pregame on was they were, if it came to that, they were going for two to win the game. And they oh, were, they, there wasn't going to be, there wasn't going to be a third position no matter what happened. So, okay, that, that's crazy though, is, because I, I, I saw this as one of the Super Bowl props was, will there be a successful two-point conversion? thing was the 49ers had not tried a two-point conversion all year and the chiefs had only tried two and failed both times well i guarantee you they would have had a special one. Oh, i'm sure they would have had a special that. one but still man no no i th- there's no so way there's no way i'd go for two with the super bowl in the balance well so, so that so but here's the thing that's the problem if you just kick the extra point now you're kicking the ball back to San Francisco, who just went down the field and scored a touchdown. And all they need now is a field goal, and the game is over. I'm relying on the defense that held the 49ers to 22 points or whatever it was the entire game. That was a defensive giving, I, football game for three quarters. I have, if I'm Andy Reid. The game I still finished the under, by the way. Total was 47 and a half. If I'm Andy Reid, I've got the best player in the league on my side. I want the ball in his hands with one play to end it. I'm not putting the ball in anybody else's hands and leaving it up to anything else. I've got Patrick Mahomes. I'm gonna let him make a play. He'll figure it out. This is what I want. So this is where it really got down. As I was continuing to drill down in it, fourth and four inside the ten yard line in overtime. Should San Francisco have kicked the field goal or gone for the touchdown? I, I think, I, I well, it, it depends, again, how much do you trust your defense? And I think they trusted their defense enough to think that a field goal was enough. I, and they were I don't wrong, think this is but a, that, that was the thought I, process. I don't think that's an insane thought process. I, I'm not saying that. I'm, because if, I'm if, if, you, if you have nothing, if you have nothing, if you didn't think that a field goal was enough, you're screwed with no points on the board. But, but so at the, least get points on the board. Here's the here's the thing. If you don't kick and you go for it, either you're going to wind up with a touchdown. I mean, it was fourth and fourth, the seven or whatever. You were inside the ten. You don't go for it, or you, I mean, you go for it. If you get it, you you're going to wind up with a touchdown. That's the best case scenario. If you fail, the Chiefs have to start the drive inside their own ten yard line, and they're going to need. That's 60 yards. They're going to need 50 to 60 yards to get a field goal here. And here's the here's the real thing. They can't they don't have the uh the luxury of having the that fourth down every time. They have to make a decision every time on that fourth down. With the, but, but, with the but field they, goal, but but they could the, punt. Be, they could punt. You know, they I, absolutely I mean, cuz the game's wide open, it's still tied. Exactly. No, I I would have put points on the board just like San Francisco did and let my defense win the game. Even if it is Mahomes I'm playing against. 
The more I thought about it, the more I thought that that San Francisco should have gone for it on fourth and fourth and four there. And then and again, worst case scenario, you miss it, force Kansas City to drive fifty five yards with not ha- again, you can, you know, they could go for it on fourth down if they want. But if you put them in a position where they don't have to, maybe they'll think about punting. Up by three points, they're never thinking about punting. If there's a fourth down, they have to go for it. The game's, the game's over. Just that we're sitting here talking about all this stuff makes me really like these new playoff overtime rules for the NFL. And I would like to see this rolled out in a more widespread fashion. I think the psychology here is fascinating. It's not cut and dried, and I think it. I and I think for once, it's you know in the old sun death rules you always receive. In college, the way it's set up, you always defer. I think now there's actual strategy based on how your defense is playing, who's the other quarterback, who has the other defense. I think it's fa- there are layers. To this stuff, and and I I want more of it. I thought it was a fascinating overtime session with all the strategy. Even though I do think, and I I said it from straight, San Francisco should have uh, should have kicked off. They should have gotten the ball second. You need to know because again, then you have the opportunity to end the game at, at, with with the ball, no matter what happens. Yeah, in retrospect. San Francisco did not make the right decision. But I don't think anybody at that moment thought it was the wrong decision. I don't think they thought it was the wrong decision until San Francisco was forced to kick the field goal. And then it there was were, like, hey, there were wait dozens. A there were dozens of people on my Twitter timeline who absolutely thought San Francisco made the wrong decision in in, in taking the ball and I was one of them. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. So yeah. See the other the other thing we're college I was thinking guys. of you know, we're college guys. It's it's always it's always you give the other team the ball first so you know what you need on the second possession. True. Because the the other thing to think about with San Francisco is as far as kicking the field goal or going for it on fourth down was Debo Samuels was hurt, George Kittle was hurt. Don't be surprised if he separated his shoulder. They were oh, yeah. running out of skill players to be able to go to. I I think they would have keyed on McCaffrey and who else are you going to go to? Ayuk is not that great inside the red zone. You're running out of options. So kick the so kick the field goal and know that's the last time you're going to have the ball. We're either going to stop them or Mahomes is going to score a touchdown. That's what you're saying. I mean, there is the option where they could have you know stopped him in they field goal range, force Kansas City to kick the but field now, goal, and then we move on. But but now you've got the ball and you're dinged up again, and now you got to drive back down the field to get a field goal. Again, we're we're sitting here talking about these layers of of game theory is fascinating. It's fantastic, well, and, and it's especially Kudos to the NFL, and it's especially fascinating considering the first three quarters it looked like an Iowa Northwestern football game. It was a Big Ten West football game. It was absolutely a Big Ten West football game. We had turn, we had punts, we had, we had sixty something yard punts, silly turnovers, and, and all kinds of stuff. Nobody books the territory like the like the National Football League. Good on you, Cadell. Well, let's get to the basketball schedule. Get back to that. And by the way, proof of life statement, Texas Tech up 8-4 to four right now early. All right. On Tuesday, Iowa State at Cincinnati, 4 p.m. ESPN2. Like we said, in Cincinnati, BYU, they are going to be the monkeys in the wrench in the Big 12. That should be a fascinating basketball game. 
That'll work. And the total Same may time. and the total may only be 110. Could be. Absolutely. Same time on the mothership. Can my Tar Heels avoid another midweek hiccup? They're on the road at the dome at Syracuse. We'll see. They destroyed Syracuse in Chapel Hill the first game. Can Syracuse get any revenge uh, in the rematch? Late night doubleheader on CBS Sports at 6, Colorado State at San Diego State at 8, New Mexico at Nevada. Ole Miss at Kentucky. Can Kentucky get off the schneid on ESPN at 6 o'clock? Can Wisconsin yeah, the SEC get off the sucks. The Neither of those teams are making the tournament. That, yeah, we'll see. Come on. <laughs> on Wednesday, 4 p.m., CBS Sports, Xavier at Seton Hall. I, I'm shocked that game isn't on Fox Sports 1. Yeah, you're not wrong about that. Yeah, I'm not sure. At 5.30, we find out that South Carolina is a fraud. They're at Auburn on the SEC network. Yeah, will the bill come due for the Gamecocks? We shall see. On Thursday, 6 p.m., a couple of decent Pac-12 games. Colorado at UCLA on ESPN, Stanford at Washington on ESPN2. I hope Bill Walton is doing one of those games. Yeah, he probably is. I'll be sure to mute my TV. On Friday, 7 p.m., Fox Sports 1, New Mexico at San Diego State. Big time Mountain West game there. Good TV spot for them. Good game. Then we get to Saturday. Like I said, this is a really kind of weak week. Already the Saturday here, that quickly. 9 a.m. on one of the ESPN networks, Wake Forest at Virginia. The Hoos have quietly sort of turned their season around. We talked about this a little bit last week after their, as, as they were in the process of demolishing Miami uh, at John Paul Jones Arena. Uh, Virginia's back in the AP Top 25, and they're only a game back in Carolina in the ACC, so things are starting to get real. Can Virginia keep the momentum going? At the same time, on either ESPN or ESPN2, Texas A&M at Alabama. Bama should take care of A&M. There is a, there's a huge difference between the top three teams and the rest of the SEC, and A&M going on the road at Alabama I think is too much to ask. It's a big ask, A&M, but hey, you know, if Wade Taylor gets hot, who the hell knows? At noon, mentioned this already on Fox, Marquette at Connecticut. Shaka's smart as a dog against number one. Big time game there in the Big East. Prime TV slot on Fox mid-afternoon. It's going to be good. I'm sure Gus Johnson will be there. Big time game. 1 p.m. on ESPN, Kansas at Oklahoma. After Kansas loses on the road to Texas Tech tonight, they'll be 2-5 and five in true road games this year. You're hilarious. But we'll see what happens. That's a, that's a tough spot there uh, uh, for the Jayhawks, though. Oklahoma needs that one. 2.30 on CBS Sports, Utah State at Colorado State. Big-time Mountain West game. A lot of, again, just the, the nature of it. If it's not Air Force or San Jose State involved, it's probably a big Mountain West game. <laughs> true. Very true. At 3 p.m. on ESPN, Kentucky at Auburn. Kentucky, you got to do something. Now would be a good time to do it, but that's a tough, tough spot. People are saying, I'm not one of them, but it could be the CBS talking heads, that Neville Arena there at Auburn is now the, the toughest home uh, the toughest home court to go, go into uh, in the nation. I don't know if I believe uh, that. The pit? Boise State just wanted the pit. Boise State's a better Same. team than Kentucky. Ooh. <laughs> 
Ooh, fighting <laughs> words right there. God damn. Go on, Aub- yeah, the, the, if Auburn doesn't score 100 points against Kentucky, he'll be considered a failure. The I, I saw this uh, over the weekend. Cheapest ticket to get into the jungle uh, for this one was uh, was in four digits Jeez. to see Auburn, Kentucky. So that crowd is going to be lit on Saturday. I can't wait. It's going to be good. It'll be fun. I don't know if it'll be good. It'll be fun. Also at three, for the 14 people who still subscribe to the Pac-12 network, Stanford at Washington State. And then finally, the late night get back game on Fox Sports 1, UNLV at Nevada. Big Mountain West game there. (laughs) Sunday, 9 a.m., Florida Atlantic at South Florida on ESPN. And... Does 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 Ohio State have anything for Purdue in Columbus? I'm betting no. I, no. no. You know, there is a chance that Ohio State and Michigan are going to be in the first round games of the Big 12 tournament. That's What are we, what are we doing, Big 10? Come on. Well, no, what will be worse is next year when they're not even invited to the Big 10 tournament. The same theorem applies to football and basketball for the Big Ten. If Northwestern is having a good year, the <laughs> conference is, is bad. Down. Okay. <laughs> Northwestern's tied for third in the conference. The Big Ten is down, baby. At 11 a.m., CBS Sports has Chattanooga at Furman. Oh, that could be fun. And then at one, if you really want to hurt yourself, Memphis at SMU. Let's see how Penny Hardaway can lose that game. Yeah, you have fun with that, man. Go ahead. And finally, at four on Fox Sports 1, Utah at UCLA. Can they keep things going? They're they're down in Westwood. We'll see. And that brings us back to Monday. Interesting game on CBS Sports at 3 p.m. Vegas time. Colgate at Lafayette. And then the big Monday games... This is crazy. Iowa State-Houston is on ESPNU because Virginia-Virginia Tech is on the mothership. That's pretty crazy. And then, But then, again, they schedule this all, all ahead of time. The, the act of the doubleheader, the, the back end of the doubleheader for Big Monday, Kansas State at Texas, a little underwhelming. Come on now. Switch those, switch those tip times. I'll, I'll be watching North Carolina Central at Norfolk State on ESPN too. There you go. Do that. Might be better than Kansas State and Texas. I thought like, Kansas State and Texas, they're going to the Final Four. They're the Big 12. What are we doing? They will not be, they will not be part of the 10-team Elite Eight. All right. Doing the math in my head real fast. I can't. It, it stopped. I can't, my calculator <laughs> West Virginia will make it to the Elite Eight. Ooh. Wow. Big boy Steve. They're going to bring Bob Huggins back as coach. Any minute now. <laughs> Swerve, bro. I've got nothing else. This is ridiculous. We're running way long. We are. We're running way long. Damn Super Bowl. Yeah. Had to start talking about overtime and all this other crap. Oh, man. Well, I, I, I shoot. Let's just get right down to it. For for, uh, for, for for Jim Plunkett, for Terry Bradshaw, Roger Staubach, all those Super Bowl quarterback MVPs like Patrick Mahomes. That dude's pretty good. I'm I'm going to give him his due, man. He's a freaking beast. He's a hell of a lot more producer. likable than Tom Brady. God, you're not wrong on that. That's the best producer in the business sound caps on Mikey Watson. We'll be back here next week. We're going to talk about our top 16 seeds going into the NCAA tournament. We'll talk about other college basketball and God knows what other shenanigans right here on 6 year seniors.